Welcome to a special crossover episode of Locked On Bucks and Locked On Grizzlies. I am the host of Locked On Bucks, Kane Pittman. If you are not familiar with Locked On Bucks and our show and what we do, you can also hear me uh, and read my work, I should say, over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me, co-host today, Sean Coleman from Locked On Grizzlies. And you can also find Sean's work over at Grizzly Bear Blues, the SB Nation site there. Sean, not only is this Locked On Bucks and Locked On Grizzlies crossover episode, this is, this is Locked On Accents today. We've got an Aussie. You've got a, a fantastic accent as well. This is, this is great hey. stuff. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure to be with you, Kane, for the first time. Uh, love your work, sir. Congratulations to you and Bucks fans. I'm sorry that the Packers season <laughs> didn't get started for anybody in Wisconsin, but congrats to Giannis and the Bucks, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to get to talk with you. Well, I'm not a Packers fan myself, and I did see a lot of sentiments on the Twitter timeline today that, look, the Packers suck today, but we still got the Bucks, And, you know, I think that's a pretty good consolation. The Milwaukee Brewers are on fire right now as well. So uh, all things considered, still a pretty good time uh, to be a Wisconsin sports fan. Uh, before we dive into this, we're going to talk, uh, I have to ask you about our old friend Taylor Jenkins. We're going to talk about Grayson Allen a lot. And then I've got something I want to throw at you right off the top about Ja Morant as well. I personally love watching the Grizzlies. So this is going to be fun. Before I get into it, I'll remind everyone about Mondays on the Locked On NBA podcast. You can start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on Locked On NBA. Josh Lloyd uh, is the host of the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. He takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. And I do believe from our DM, Sean, that he had John Corrales from Locked On Celtics on today. They were talking Hall of Fame. Uh, the Hall of Fame was fun. I enjoyed watching that. It was a, it was a great ceremony, uh, as it always is. The one thing I wanted to ask you right off the top, before we get to some Taylor Jenkins stuff and Grayson Allen, is Ja Morant. And I, I haven't had an opportunity to speak to you before or, or too many Grizzlies fans, to be honest. But I think if you don't like Ja Morant or you don't like watching Ja Morant play basketball, then there's something wrong with you. This guy is is incredible to watch. But the one thing that... I always think when I watch him play is I, I feel nervous for him. I feel scared. He's throwing his body around. You, you, you're worried that he's going to have some type of, some type of injury. And, and honestly, it's not that far different for me from watching Giannis with the way that he attacks the basket and, and the force that he puts through his body. And uh, certainly different types of players, different sizes, but in, in many ways, a play with that reckless uh, approach to, to scoring and trying to get the job done. No, it, it, you're exactly correct. And I will say this, I had the pleasure of talking with Josh um, as well. So, uh, so I, I'll be on the show tomorrow. We talked oh. a little Mark Gasol at Hall of Fame. So it, it, I'm getting the full Australian experience <laughs> and enjoying every minute of it. So, yeah, no, uh, when it comes to Josh, you, you you hit the nail on the head, Kane. Uh, Josh Morant is absolutely phenomenal. The thing that stands out about him, if, if many Bucks fans haven't had the chance to watch him play, is that he is so good at being able to be crafty, but also uber-athletic at the same time. Obviously, his inconsistent shot right now is the next step in him unlocking his full potential as a player, which we here in Memphis hope is certainly as an all-NBA potential MVP-type talent. But his ability to balance scoring and playmaking, the ability that he has in the lane to start, stop, use his movements, use his IQ, outthinking the defense maybe one or two steps ahead, it's phenomenal. But you're right. You see him play, and especially with his size and with his you know body frame and profile, you, 
get a bit scared. We saw a little bit of a hint of what it would be like if he would get injured when he got injured in the third game of last season in uh, Brooklyn. You know, he was only out for three weeks, but that ankle injury likely impacted him. And it's so critical his legs are to his game. So, yes, there, there is a bit of a scare there, but that's just part of what makes him special. It's something that you take. You take the good with the risk. Because you certainly no way, shape, or form, I'm sure like the cases with Giannis in Milwaukee, you in no way, shape, or form want to discourage him being as aggressive as he can be. So you trust that with his special of an athlete and special a player he is, he knows his body, he knows how he's able to remain safe, but you also certainly want to make sure he's healthy. And with as much as the Grizzlies have played, I'm sure that's something they're going to watch going into next season, not overusing him too much because he's played a lot of basketball, as have the Bucks. Yeah, I think it's a good point you make just in regards to if they don't play that way, then what type of players are they? I think we saw that during the NBA Finals with Giannis when he comes back from that knee injury and those question marks of what he was going to actually physically be able to do. And then we saw basically straight away that regardless of whether he was feeling sore or that that injury was bothering him, there's only one way he knows how to play. And, and Jar certainly is the same in that regard. It's a good transition into the Grayson Allen a conversation though because it, not only John Morant you you mentioned the fact that he missed some time last year but there's so many young guys there that are fighting for minutes so if we go back to the trade for those that have forgot uh, the the mechanics of the deal the Grayson Allen comes to Milwaukee uh, Memphis pick up Sam Merrill who was the 60th pick in the draft the year before and a couple of second round picks so I, I just want to start by asking what was your reaction to this trade I've heard a, a few different theories of why this made sense for Memphis and perhaps why they wanted to go down this path. But what was your initial read? It, it absolutely was a good deal for both teams. It was a deal for the Grizzlies that the Grizzlies have actually done well for when they traded away players. But it was an opportunity for the Grizzlies with Grayson Allen on an expiring contract, with the fact that he likely was not going to stick around with Memphis with, with what he was going to rightfully want to earn beyond next season. It was an opportunity to send him to a great situation where basically, if, if, if my assumption would be correct, you get him to replace Bryn Forbes, who I believe left for San Antonio in free agency. The Grizzlies are able to take an expiring contract in Grayson Allen, trade him to a great situation where he will have a role in Milwaukee and get future value for him. Second round picks plus Sam Merrill. You got Merrill as a lottery ticket. The Grizzlies love their shooting options. Merrill could certainly be that if they keep him around. But this is also a team, Kane, that loves second round picks. They've used second round picks in each of the past two drafts to move up late into the first round. But the reason why it happened more than anything, Kane, was that last year you had Grayson Allen, you had uh, De'Anthony Melton, and Desmond Bain all as those two guard options. Both Bain and Melton, in my opinion, are better talent. Stan Allen overall. They're younger, they're controlled for longer. So, and with Jaron Jackson Jr. coming back, the main asset that you have with Allen, his shooting, you're getting back with Jaron Jackson Jr. So, it just made sense. You have plenty of options to make up for Allen's production, send him on to a great situation for himself, restock your asset cupboard moving forward. A win win for both player and team from the Grizzlies' perspective. Yeah, I like that. I, I would probably summarize this deal as a win win as well. And I also would agree that the players that the Grizzlies have on the roster, the younger, probably a higher ceiling than what Grayson Allen has at this point. He's already 25, um, but he did play significant minutes with the Grizzlies last year. Started 38 out of his 50 appearances, uh, got you 10 points a night. So you mentioned Bryn Forbes, but also certainly to start the season, 
it's my expectation that, that I think that he's going to start the season for the Bucks. I think he'll replace those Dante DiVincenzo minutes. And then when Dante comes back, who knows what, what, they'll go, what path they'll go down in regards to minutes. But I mentioned that we had a bunch of questions from the listeners of Locked On Bucks. They're very interested about Grayson Allen. I sent the tweet out and very quickly had over 30 responses with questions to Grayson Allen. And by far, and this is a surprise to no one, Sean, by far the most requested question is personality based now you will remember there is some going to be some wisconsin badgers fans that do not like grayson allen do not have nice memories of grayson allen so let's just get this out of the way personality wise what are the bucks getting in grayson allen because i must admit when i've heard people talk about grayson allen or had the chance to speak to people at grayson allen whether it was with memphis or, or prior at his prior stop in the nba i've heard nothing but good things yeah, and there have been a few, you know, incidents, especially in summer league, where the Grayson Allen from his time at Duke, which rightfully so, um, you you certainly did have some concerning things occur while he was at Duke. You know, there were some skirmishes that he had with Trey Young. There were some skir- a skirmish that he had with Grant Williams of Boston. So there have been a few hiccups along the way. But over the past year and a half, ever since two summers ago, there's been nothing but positive things about Grayson Allen. And that even has been put to the test by Trey Young from earlier this season during the preseason, as well as when the Grizzlies played the Hawks in the second game of the year. Trey Young tried to start some stuff. You know, Grayson Allen kind of picked back, but nothing occurred. Just from personal experience of talking with Grayson Allen, as well as watching him, the reason why Grayson Allen took on as much of a role as he did and was able to elevate the overall overall player that he was Kane in Memphis was because he embraced everything that the Grizzlies asked for him from coach Taylor Jenkins to the coaching staff, to the front office. He put in the hard work, developed his game, developed his game in a way that he knew was going to make him useful. And he made the most of it with his emergence in the bubble and the fact that he came into being a starter last year. But the other big thing about it is this, is that he's channeled that same type of aggressive attitude that may have caused trouble in the past, he's willing to do the dirty work. He's fine getting physical. He's fine kind of getting in the head of some of the players that he plays against. And that's something that you certainly need. But the other big thing about it is he's very insightful. The thing about Grayson Allen that stood out to me that made him so good in his role and turned into a very good shooter, he is so insightful, very thoughtful with his answers. So you're not getting the Grayson Allen of old in Milwaukee, in my opinion. You're getting a very smart, insightful player, knows his role, knows how to do it well, and is willing to put in the work to expand it, especially if he gets a starting role on a title contender this year in Milwaukee. So Jeff Bertrand has asked the question, and he basically is saying, are Wisconsin sports fans going to be able to move on from their hate of Grayson Allen? And my theory with this is always, if you knock down a few shots, you hit a game winner, fans are going to forget. The vast majority of fans are going to forget. So uh, it will be interesting to see. It'll be a fun story if he ends up becoming a, uh, a liked player or a fan favorite in Milwaukee, if you will. Maybe not Bobby Portis levels, but we'll see how we go there. But you mentioned what he can do defensively. And I don't think that anyone's going to accuse Grayson Allen of being a guy that's scared to, to get physical or to get a little bit scrappy. We know that that's what he's going to do. But defensively, how would you describe him as a player? Uh, Is he going to be a guy that a team like Milwaukee may feel comfortable putting on the floor in the last five minutes of a game, for instance? I don't necessarily know if he is a closing lineup type guy. I can see, let's put it this way. 
he may not necessarily be a closing lineup type guy in Memphis where the overall talent level of the Grizzlies really needs for you to put your best five guys on the court. I don't think that it ever made sense really to put him in the fourth quarter over a Desmond Bain, or excuse me, a DeAnthony Melton in Memphis. But when you've got the three, the, the trio of middle, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis on the court, I think you could be okay with Grayson Allen still being able to hold his own defensively as the fourth or fifth defensive guy. Sure, the opposition may try to focus their offense on exposing him a bit, but when you've got that trio that I just mentioned backing him up, you're kind of okay with it. So he may not necessarily be a last five minutes of the game type guy, especially with the talent on Milwaukee's roster, but I think he's okay with his shooting as being someone that you could leave out here. You had mentioned he could be a starter until Dante comes back. I think it makes a lot of sense. If you want him to primarily be your sniper out there to support the trio of Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday, I think that he'll be able to do enough not to be a clear liability. He'll be able to hold his own at least for a bit on defense. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting mix for the Bucks. Uh, when you look at, you mentioned Bryn Fors for sure. Um, same position. Uh, I think that it would also be fair to say that I, I would anticipate that Grayson Allen is going to bring more on the defensive side of the floor, um, perhaps not that caliber of shooter. And then I think you're probably uh, going down a little bit defensively from Dante whenever he's in. So I still suspect that Dante will be the guy that starts when he's healthy and comes back to the team. But as far as shooting goes, I was looking at some of the numbers because we had a bunch of questions. What type of shooter is he? Can he shoot off the dribble? Is he a catch-and-shoot guy? So just some straight-up numbers from last season for Grayson Allen in Memphis. 39.9% on catch-and-shoot, 35.8% on pull-ups. And as with most shooters, he's going to knock down the open open three, around 43% on wide-open three-point attempts, and then it goes down pretty dramatically from there. If you put a hand in his face, he's going to knock down fewer shots. That's That's nothing crazy there for role players and shooters that's generally the case maybe he gets a high percentage of wide open looks as you pointed to when he is playing next to Drew Holiday Giannis these types of guys uh, we'll wait and see but what type of shooter is Grayson Allen is he straight up a guy that you that you need shooting catch and shoot can he shoot off the dribble at all what should the expectations be Yes, I do think that there certainly is some untapped potential, not to the effect that he's going to be a guy who's going to take four or five or six off the dribble shots. You probably don't want him doing that. That's not the high percentage look you want from your offense. But I also think, Kane, he's more than just a guy who can hit wide open shots, kind of like a Patrick Beverly is. The key to Grayson Allen shooting is not just that he's accurate, but it's the layers of which he's accurate. He's a very good movement shooter in terms of he is able to do a very good job of finding the soft spot in the defense, especially before they get set. Catch and shoot transition threes, but early in the shot clock, before the defense is set, Grayson Allen does a very good job of either hitting the trailing three or the above the break three where there's an open spot as the offense is trying to get set up. He can hit the corner three as well, and he can hit big shots as well. Hit a few game winners uh, this past year. Had a, hit a big three in the playing game that helped us beat the Warriors. A couple of big threes in the playoffs. So it's not just that he's only an open shot guy. He's a better catch and shoot than off the dribble guy, but he is extremely accurate off the catch and shoot, can create his own shot by finding the soft spot in the defense to receive a pass and catch it, and also is very, very good at hitting big shots and transition threes. So there's his lay, there's some layers to his three-point game, even if it's just catch and shoot, more than there is for other players. 
Well, I love these types of situations, Sean. When you look back to the game in April at Fiserv Forum, the Grizzlies really took it to the Bucks. Bit of a beatdown. Beat them by 13 points. Grayson Allen, 26 points, 7 for 10 from 3, 9 for 13 from the field. I love it when a player torches the team and then they acquire him that offseason. I, I always love that scenario. But he had a real stretch of big games. I'm just looking at the game log here. He had a 30-point game. That 26-point game against the Bucks was sandwiched in between games of 23 points, 24 points. So when you talk about the guy being able to get hot, I mean, he certainly showed that ability last year on a, on a Memphis team that has a bunch of guys that can score the ball. Absolutely. And there's a bit of streakiness in his shooting. Yeah. But when he gets hot... He can get hot. Last year in the bubble, he emerged out of nowhere as arguably being a top five reserve when, you know, more than two-thirds of the NBA was playing. He showed that in the bubble this year. He showed the shot being there. Now, when the shot's not falling, he probably is not that valuable of a player. But when it is, he's a difference-making three-point shooter. And he also has shown the ability to do it in the starting lineup to support a team's best players as the main sniper against the opposition's best players. But he also can come off the bench and really be a surge of scoring himself. So there's versatility in how he can be used. And while he is streaky, when he's hot, he can really be a difference-maker. He can carry a team's three-point shooting for a few games even if he's called upon and he's hot. No, well, I love it. That's, that's great info. Hopefully, uh, a lot of those questions that we got from the listeners crossed over each other. So hopefully that has covered most of it. And you mentioned the situation for the Memphis Grizzlies where they've now got an opportunity to open up significant minutes, hopefully for some of these young players coming through. The Bucks. it's almost a little bit of an insurance policy. We spoke about this, that Dante DiVincenzo also heading for restricted free agency. Both guys play the same position. Obviously, there's an injury history there with Dante. Maybe one of these guys gets paid far more than the other, and the Bucks might have a decision to make. So it also made sense projecting ahead to the future for the Bucks getting in Grayson Allen. So I think it's going to be a nice pickup pick for Milwaukee moving into the 2022 season. I do want to ask about our old friend Taylor Jenkins. Now, I think if you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, and this is my outsider opinion, probably exceeded expectations for where they were going to be at this point of the development, obviously with John Moran, but all, all the other young guys they've had, obviously injuries as well. Jaron Jackson Jr. has not played a lot of basketball. Is Taylor Jenkins' approval rating at a, at a high level in Memphis? I have to imagine he's, he's a pretty popular guy. Yeah, no, I, I think overall there certainly is a positive opinion of Taylor Jenkins, sure. There are some questions about him naturally as a coach that you're just going to get. You've got a team that all of a sudden no one really expected it, but they've been in the playoff conversation the past two years. They've exceeded expectations. There's been some growing pains. There has been some, you know, one of the bigger question marks, and this was nothing against Grayson. It just was a, it was a big question. Was he too loyal to Grayson at times last mm -hmm. year because he wasn't playing more talented players? So there's little things like that. But the approval rating overall is certainly there for three big reasons, Kane. Number one, it's the confidence that he shows in the players and the reason why the players love playing for Taylor Jenkins. They know he's going to give them the opportunity to not only play, but learn from what they do. And he's going to help them learn from what they do. They don't have a short leash. They're not going to sit there and get benched for making mistakes. He puts trust in these players to develop and make the best of their ability. It's also the ability to develop the shooting aspect of things, something that I think he gets from being in Mike Budenholzer's system. The ability to 
develop shots. You've seen the shots of players like Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, De Dylan Brooks, and others really improve under Taylor Jenkins to make them better overall players. And the other big, big thing that I am absolutely in love with from him, for him as a coach is his ability to develop defense. A top 10 defense last year, hopefully going to build on that to be that again this year. So it's his, his ability to develop talent. It's ability, his ability to make the most of the roster that he has. He is an absolutely phenomenal coach. Even though he doesn't really have a basketball background, he's absolutely stepped into a situation and made the most of it. Well, it's a growing coaching tree. It just continues to expand from Bud and then going back to the Spurs and Greg Popovich. They, those guys have their fingers all over the league. And we know um, from a Milwaukee perspective, Darvin Ham is a guy that has been in the process. We certainly hope at some point he's going to get a head coaching job uh, also uh, Charles Lee, another guy that's been with Bud for a long time. So uh, you see those guys generally move on and generally they have success. I am, I am a little curious. Again, I'm just throwing you all these outside questions here about the Memphis Grizzlies. But I look at a team like Memphis and I look at the Western Conference and clearly for a long time, it's been really top heavy and, and deep and deep. Just a bunch of teams that are perennial playoff contenders and, and really difficult to beat. Sometimes when you get a situation and the Bucs were certainly in this period going back to the early days of Jason Kidd where some there is a section of the fan base that says well it's been fun to get to the playing tournament it's been fun to get to the playoffs but we probably could have used another season of being bad and, and that can be a difficult pill to swallow particularly for a franchise like Memphis that has been so good for so long and is it possible that the Grizzlies have gotten too good too quickly because of a player like Ja Morant coming in and having such an impact that certainly is a logical way to look at things, Kane. And I actually have kind of been, you know, I've been on that train. You know, I have expressed my opinions that last year I was fine going into last year, whether we got a lottery pick or whether we made the playoffs because we were kind of, you know, in a no-lose situation with how good our first year was. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that certainly helps out the fact of the argument, maybe we've been too good too soon, is that we still got a lottery pick this year yeah. because our front office was competent enough to get present value for Jonas Valanciunas. So the reason why I am happy with the fact our roster has been so good so quickly, our front office still is competent enough and creative enough to find ways to help us get that added value for the future that we need to make this rebuild work. But also you get the experience that comes from being so good so quickly in the playoffs for a young roster. So it balances itself out. Well, now you've got one of my absolute favorite players, almost the, my favorite player in the league to talk to Stephen Adams. I, I have to admit, Oh, I have to imagine, I should say, you're looking forward to getting a chance to speak to uh, Stephen Adams. Uh, incredibly, somehow, only 27 years old. I don't know how that's possible. Still a young man. I like it. I love Stephen Adams. Absolutely. And I'll say this, that the, the thing is, is that the Grizzlies have always had the luxury of having a very, very um, engaging big man. You know, talking about Mark Gasol, who they just got in the trade from the Lakers, though his playing days may be done. One underrated thing about Jonas Valanciunas, he is a very kind, team-first, but fun person to talk with as well. And the reputation for Steven Adams precedes itself. He's probably the Grizzly I'm most looking forward to talking with that's new to the team. So I'm absolutely looking to speak with him. Hopefully also going to see him regain a bit of his positive value at a, at a, after a bit of a down year in um, New Orleans. But absolutely looking to speak with Steven Adams. And obviously I know that New Zealand and, and, and that part of the world loves him in Australia and New Zealand. An absolutely outstanding basketball player and personality. 
Yeah, he once told me uh, when he used to come through playing for the Thunder when I, I'm in Australia now, by the way, for people that aren't familiar with me, when the NBA season shut down, I moved back to Australia. But before that, I was in Milwaukee covering the team. And every time the Thunder would roll through uh, Milwaukee, I would always love catching up with Stephen Adams. And he did tell me when we're in the US together, uh, we're, we're brothers, Australian and New Zealand people, we're brothers. But he said, if I ever move back to Australia and he runs into me, we're enemies. Uh, not a man I want to make an enemy of. He is a, he is a, a humongous human being and uh, not someone that I particularly would want to fight. So I'm happy to keep our friendship uh, as it is just over in the US. Uh, before we wrap this up, I've got one more question I want to throw at you. Then you can throw anything you want at me before we wrap it up, if you like. I want to mention the Locked On Bets podcast. Betting on the Bucks, the Grizzlies, whoever your team is, doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. So, Sean, I don't want to steal your thunder because I know you are going to talk about Marc Gasol uh, at length. I think on a different podcast, you sort of mentioned that uh, to me before we started recording. But just just quickly in general, when I saw Marc Gasol was traded to the Grizzlies, it was cool. It was cool to at least think that he was going back to Memphis. Now, whether or not, or whether he plays or not, um, you know, remains to be seen. But it's, it's kind of a romantic idea that he would play maybe one more game or something like that. Kevin Garnett style when he went back to Minnesota at the end of his career. Yeah, it would be. And it would be wonderful to see, right? Like, and trust me, I do feel, especially with what the Lakers have going, I'm sorry, Marcus Gasol is the better fit for that Lakers roster. He fits bigger (laughs) needs than Andre Drummond or DeAndre Jordan did, but that's a story for another time. But there is something symbolic about it. It's special to see that Mark Gasol, in the same way he started with his career, is ending his career the same way with the Grizzlies. However, it does also seem that Mark wants, there's been a bit of rumor that he wants to play over in Spain. I think he may even play for the team that he is either a partial owner or full-time owner of. And so I just think that he's ready to move on from the NBA. He's given it his all. He's experienced everything you possibly can as a player. It makes sense. He has other interests elsewhere. So for him to be able to come back for the Grizzlies opens up the door for them to honor him. He could be a part of festivities this year as we honor a couple of players. But yeah, while it would be wonderful to see him play, I I think that he's comfortable with moving on from the NBA. And I think that he's come to the right situation in Memphis to help him do that. So while it would be great to see him don the Grizzlies uniform once again, I think this is a suitable and perfect end to his career, being able to finish it as part of the Grizzlies. Yeah, a little bit of a shame in some ways that he had this Lakers portion of his career. I think he was you know, probably satisfied uh, with the way things were going in Toronto. And then he, he got the championship and then uh, clearly was, was not happy with the Andre Drummond situation last year and not playing. And then this year, as you pointed to with Andre Jordan, Dwight Howard's there as well. I thought that he was still going to be the starting center, but clearly uh, he wasn't too happy with that situation. So maybe, maybe he's got a career swan song playing with Powell. I don't know if Powell's still playing this season over in Spain, but maybe those two could get together. That would be, that would be fun to see. We saw it in the Olympics. Uh, just recently as well. But Sean, this has been, been awesome. Have you got anything you want to throw at me or should we, uh, should we move on with our day? 
Yeah, no, I've actually got a question for you and Kane. It has been uh, unbelievably awesome. So the thing I'll ask is this, is for, from the Grizzlies fans' perspective, me and you talked about it uh, before the show. I've talked about it a bit also before, you know, this time when y'all won your title this past year. Listen, with Giannis, it absolutely is a wonderful, incredible story of how much he has succeeded this season, um, you know, and obviously become the player that he has. But just from your perspective, when you look at the Grizzlies as an outsider, but as someone that covers a team in one of the smaller markets, but you've developed your all-time great, I'm willing to call Giannis that, who's been loyal to Milwaukee. We hope that that loyalty is certainly here with John Morant. And it's funny, there's a lot of connections. You've got Budenholzer with Jenkins. you got the fact that developing talent to the level you have Middleton and Giannis is something we hope we can do to support Jaw and Jaron here, but the competence of a front office that can be proactive and loyal and show their franchise star, for instance, here in Memphis, they'll make the right decisions to keep him, you know, supported and keep him here. Just when you look at the comparisons between Milwaukee and Memphis, do you see the startings of something that could eventually lead to what the Bucks ha- had the ability to achieve this past year? Do you see the start of something that special here in Memphis from your point of view? Well, the most important piece of the puzzle is going to the draft and getting a a franchise superstar, as you pointed to. Funnily enough, when you look at Milwaukee and the path that they went down, they got Giannis back in 2013. He was picked 15. They actually thought the next year they were probably getting their guy, number two pick Jabari Parker. That didn't work out, but the Bucs were fortunate enough that Giannis is who he is and then wanted to stay around. So, yeah, I would imagine if you asked the bulk of Milwaukee fans where their feelings have been the last few years prior to winning the championship. It's, it's kind of a little bit of anxiety and nerves. And is this guy going to stick around? Is this, is this the peak for us? Are we going to have a few playoff runs, not get to win that championship? So the fact that he committed to the city, I just think it's so important. If you, if you are a small market, there's other ways you can go around. Sure. Maybe you can get lucky. Maybe you can win a championship, but it all starts with having that one franchise superstar. And that's why, I wanted to start this podcast talking about Jar and talking about Giannis because I think, you know, from a popularity standpoint, uh, from a guy that looks to me from the outside, like he's, he's bought into the city and bought into what the team is trying to do. You just hope that, that that remains and you're able to continue to keep building. And all the other pieces around the periphery are certainly important, but it, there's, there's no one here sitting here that we cover the team. That If you're a fan that's saying that the Bucks would have been able to do any of this without that one guy, you need the one guy, you need him to stick around. And I think, like I said to you before we started recording, I wasn't surprised that you were very uh, you know, happy for Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee fans would be the same, whether it was Memphis or whatever other small market it was. There is some sort of camaraderie there among the teams, among the fans, among people that cover the teams. You want to see these teams do well. And that's why I enjoy watching Memphis. But you've got a really, really good one. And, and hopefully he continues to build. Hopefully he stays healthy. Because I think you've got the coach, you've got the pieces around them to, to really, really push for something. Yeah, and that's the thing that I'll say to kind of in, in my spot on it, Kane, is that, and I don't mean to just shower the Bucks with so many compliments, but I do feel as a fan of basketball, but also a fan of, you know, basketball being played, you know, with good guys getting, you know, achieving their goals. You've got Drew Holiday, who is just a phenomenal person. Chris Middleton, Giannis seemed to be the same way. You know, Mike Budenholzer gets a bit of validation for his career. It's good to see good stories in, good guys winning. Not saying it hasn't happened in the past, 
pass. But in case of Milwaukee, there's a lot of positivity. So happy for you and the Bucks fans and especially happy for the roster and Coach Bud. It was, it was a nice way to end a season that had been a frustration and struggle for any across the NBA. It was nice to see the Bucks be the ones to win the title. No, it was a lot of fun. There's, there's no doubt about that. It's one of those things that you, you kind of think is, is never really going to happen until it does. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it. You'll be a fan favorite. You'll be a locked-on fan favorite for all these kind words that you've said on this podcast, Sean. I want to leave. We've been overly positive. I just got a notification come through. I'm going to end the podcast on a, on a, on a typical note for what a Grayson Allen podcast should end. I just got a comment from ASD at DJS underscore MKE on Twitter about Grayson Allen. He's a tool. He's always been. How does being a buck change my mind? We'll see. We'll see if Grayson Allen can change the minds of Bucks fans throughout the season, Sean. Uh, I think he can. Yeah. The first time he hits that big three in <laughs> yeah. a playoff game yeah, yeah, or, or something like that, you're going to be just fine with it. That's Sean Coleman from Locked On Grizzlies. I'm Kane Pittman from Locked On Bucks. We always love doing the crossover podcast. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Make sure you follow Sean. Uh, and follow the podcast and support those guys. Like I said, Memphis are a really, really fun team. I'm sure, or I hope we can do this again some stage through the season, potentially when the Bucks and the Grizzlies are about to play off. But Sean, I appreciate your time for everyone out there. Stay safe. And just the, the countdown's on. The countdown's on to the NBA season. We can't wait. Training camp's a couple of weeks away. We will both speak to you guys tomorrow.